welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Well, let's start with the word. Go to John chapter 9, verse 1. Um, we're going to uh, speak from John 9, verse 1 through 7. There you go. They have it on the screens if y'all don't have it. It reads this. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. For the night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud all over the blind man's eyes. And then he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seen. I think it's funny, you know, this guy wanted a miracle, and God threw mud in his eyes. Isn't that kind of funny? But here's the, uh, oh, they put it up there. The title of my sermon today is Mud, Mucus, and Miracles. Isn't that kind of nasty? Kind of like, when I thought of this, t- when, you know, God was showing me this title, I was like, man, that's kind of uncomfortable. That's kind of like, you know, awkward. But then God was like, you know, for you to get, the only way you can receive your miracle is outside of your comfort zone. So when you look at this, you feel a little uncomfortable. That's because the only time miracles happen is when you're uncomfortable, right? Um, so before we get started, I kind of have a story. A couple years ago, as a lot of y'all know, I went to Texas Bible Institute, which was is a Bible school. And uh, I wasn't planning on going there. I didn't want to go, but I ended up there by the grace of God. Uh, so I went to Bible school, and um, I was like, God, you brought me here. You told me to go here. I'm going to Bible school. But um, they were assigning roommates. I said, God, please give me good roommates. You know, I just thought, like, it's going to happen. I'm like, if God brought me to this place and he wants me to be, he's going to give me good roommates, right? Because I'm in the will of God, right? So it's all going to work out. Well, I prayed for good roommates. Long story short, I got terrible roommates, okay? Um, there's, I had about six roommates, but I'm going to tell you about probably like three of them. Uh, just real quick. One of them was a pathological liar, all right? I've heard of these people. I've never met these people, but now I know what these people are. This guy, like, he literally, he lied about everything, but he believed it, and, like, literally he thought his lie was truth. It was the craziest thing. One of, these, one, of the, one of the things, he literally thought and told everybody that he used to play football for the Florida Gators. He's this little Mexican dude. Florida Gators is like a D1 school. Like, you got to be an athlete to play football there. He literally told everybody that he played football for the Florida Gators. And he even went to the extent to Photoshop himself on, like, a Florida Gator person. Like, I was like, it's so obvious. I'm like, you're this Mexican dude. There's no way you played for Florida. And if y'all know me, I like sports. I was like, hey, man. So I was, like, a little offended. I was like, you did not play football for Florida. And he literally, like, he got upset. He's like, yes, I did. Look, it's a picture of me. And it was weird because he actually believed it. And it was kind of funny because he had a girlfriend while I was there. And the girlfriend's photo on her phone was him photoshopped in that Florida football uniform. I was like, this is so sad. I'm like, this guy's lying. So anyways, that was one of my roommates. He was a pathological liar. That wasn't the only thing. He lied about everything. There's other stuff I won't even go into. But anyways, I learned how to deal with him. The second one 
um, was this guy. He was extremely bipolar. Um, like, literally, like, he would, um, he would be super happy at one point, and next point, he was literally, I know it's crazy, but he was, like, trying to commit suicide. You know, I know that's kind of, like, that's deep and dark, but it, that's how bipolar he was. And I know there was, there was moments, and again, I had crazy roommates. There was moments when I had to convince him, like, hey, man, don't, you know, like, he would tell him, like, oh, man, I'm going to go outside and go hang myself. I'm like, don't do that, man. God loves you, man, you know. Like, it was, he was bipolar, and the next moment, he'd be like, hey, what's up, man? Like, give me a hug. I'm like, what is this, like, this, you know. So he was crazy bipolar. There was that guy. And he eventually got kicked out because he got really angry, and he punched a leader in the face, and he got kicked out. Uh, but that was at the end, so I had to deal with him for a while. Um, and then the, one of the other crazy dudes, again, these are all my roommates, okay. Each one of these people I lived with, all right, spent most of my day with. So y'all get a picture of it. I know this is kind of taking a while, but for context, the third guy, uh, one of the crazy dudes is um, he was somebody who he was 19, but he was really sheltered his entire life. Does anybody know this? Christian kids wasn't like I don't even know if he stepped outside until TBI. Like I honestly don't know, because he was a 19-year-old, but like on the inside, emotionally, he was like 12, and so like no matter what happened, he was always crying, and and so obviously him and the bipolar guy, they were always going at it because he was like always upset and crying. I'm always like, and um, so. I was, when I saw who these roommates were, and I was dealing with them, I was like, God, I prayed for God, good, I prayed for good roommates, and you give me these people. I was like, what is up with this? But as I kind of continued, accepted it, and I learned, and, and, and that's why when things happen and people are crazy, it doesn't really bother me, because I'm like, hey, guys, you don't know what I had to go through for like eight months with these people. Like, I had to learn not only how to live with them, but I had to lead them and manage them to the point where they weren't trying to kill each other when I was in the looking away. Like, it was hard. Um, but when I look back at it now, even though I prayed for good roommates, some perfect people, and even if that would have happened, like, look, God, look what you did, did that favor, but God gave me those roommates and looked messed up, looked a little murky, I realized that that was actually way better for me than having roommates who wouldn't have challenged me as far as growing and being a leader, right? So I said all that saying, you know, just like the blind man in the story, right? He prayed for a miracle. He's blind. All he wants to do is see. He's ne- you know, he's never, he doesn't even know what seeing is, right? He's been blind since birth. And God says, yeah, I'll heal you. He gets mud, and he throws it in his face. Who knows? That doesn't really look like a miracle. Somebody hear me, right? That doesn't like he wants a miracle, but he got mud in return. But miracle moments usually have muddy beginnings. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk mud, this, the, you know, the title, mud, mucus, and miracles. What we're we'll talking about is that how God works, and when we ask for miracles, a lot of times they don't come in the form. They, they seem muddy. They seem murky. But just like the blind man, right, he chose not to stay in the muddy. That, you know, right, he wanted a miracle. He chose not to stay there. He obeyed God. He washed himself in the pool, and that's when he received this miracle. And so kind of like the first important point is that miracle moments usually have muddy beginnings. Because right, there's times we can look around, we're asking God for our miracles in our lives, we're praying to God, and all we do is look around and it looks muddy and murky. And we're trying to understand, God, what is happening? But really, when we're in those muddy situations, they're really miracles and waiting. Just like when I prayed for good roommates and I got terrible roommates, I thought, God, I prayed for something good and what looked like something bad happened, I could have said, hey, you know what, this is messed up, God, I'm leaving 
Because there were, there were points when I was with those crazy dudes, like, look, God, this does not feel like Jesus. This doesn't feel like you. Like, there's some crazy people, and it doesn't, like, it doesn't feel right. I'm out of here. I was, there's so many times I was close to doing that, but I realized, although it doesn't feel like my miracle, it was my miracle. And there's times when it looks muddy, it looks murky, but really, that's God working out his miracle. It's kind of like, you know, kind of an example, like, you know, it's like if you pray for a promotion, and you don't get it, right? And you pray to God, God, give me this promotion. And all of a sudden, Jenny from accounting, who doesn't work that hard, gets it. You're like, what the heck, God? I work ten times harder than Jenny. If your name is Jenny, I'm sorry. You know, why does she get it and not me? I deserve that, right? And then, you know, you, you can choose to stop. You can choose to stop working hard and just blame, hey, God, it's, life's unfair. We can say, you know what, I'm going to double down. I'm going to work harder. I'm going I'm to I'm prove that I'm worthy of a promotion. And all of a sudden, another promotion comes around that's better than the one before. And you realize, oh, thank you, God, I didn't get that previous promotion because this one that you really call me for is way better, right? It's in those muddy moments. I don't know why I brought up Jenny, but, but see, the reason why God puts us in these muddy situations when we pray for a miracle, right, when we pray for God to move, and all of a sudden, in return, it's this mud, and it's murky, and it's hard. Because when God turns those things around, right, you don't get the glory for that, right? Because you realize it wasn't my talent or power that turned a situation around. It was all God. Because only God can turn mud into miracle. So the miracle has, so, oh, skip that point. The miracle moments usually have muddy beginnings. Just like the blind man, we have two choices, right? We can either use the mud or stay in the mud. See, when the blind man, right, he asked for a miracle, God drew, threw mud in his face, he could have been like, what is going, like, what is this about? Get offended and walk away, right? But instead he said, you know what, I'm not going to stay in this mud, I'm going to use the mud, right? I think there's a lot of people who all we see is mud and murkiness and messed up stuff, and we say, hey, you know what, God, you obviously don't love me or care about me, because look at what's around me, and so we stay there instead of using it to go where God called us to be, right? To be to step into that miracle where God wants us to be. So touch your neighbor and say, don't stay in the mud. Because <laughs> sometimes for a miracle, to, when the blind man asked for a miracle and God threw mud in his face, really God was giving him his miracle, right? This doesn't look like that. That miracle was activated right in that moment. But it, then it took action for that miracle to take place, right? God activated the miracle, threw mud in his face, and then told him, hey, there's some, like, you know, you put mud on his face and said, no, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, and you will be healed, right? So God activated that miracle, but it took action to step into it. And that's, that's the second point, is that the miracle has been activated, but it requires action to complete it. You know, when you read a lot about what Jesus has done, the miracles he performed, Unless there was a time where great faith was exemplified or where somebody already had great faith at the beginning, like when the woman of issue of blood, right, she, she really had so much faith on the inside of her, she said, I just need to touch him and I'll be healed, right? And the moment she touched him, she, you know, she was healed. Or, you know, the centurion who had great faith, you say, hey, you just speak at Jesus that my servant would be healed and I believe he will be healed. Unless in those moments where you show great faith from the beginning, usually it takes action to complete that miracle, just like with the blind man. So if all the, you know, parables 
and miracles are read of Jesus, he doesn't just say, hey, you want to be healed? You're healed. There you go, buddy, right? Usually he says, hey, you want to be healed? Then you got to go do this, right? Obedience and faith were to take place and happen. And so I think there's a lot of miracles are in the moment. They're in the mud right now. They've been activated, but now it's waiting on our action to step into it. There's a lot of situations, right, that doesn't look like the things we prayed for. They look muddy and they look messed up, but there are miracles in waiting. And they're waiting for us to take that step of faith and action. Right? There are miracles waiting for your obedience and faith in God to manifest. Because right, faith without works is dead. Right? We know it. You know, this is simple, but it's true. If you're not willing to work for it, you, it's not just going to be handed to you. Right? That blind guy could have easily said, hey, God, I prayed for you. I believe in, in you. And all I got in return was mud. Right? And he could have stayed there. But instead, he didn't stay. He started to use the mud and move forward. Now, another thing, I think when God spat on the ground, and I'm almost done. I said I'll make this quick, so there's only about five more minutes. But when God decided, or when Jesus, you know, he said he spat on the ground and made mud, I think what he was doing, he was, he was making a representation of God's power. Because who knows when he, he spat on the ground, and who knows that man came from dust, right? That's how God made us. He says that the Lord God made man from the dust of the ground. So when he spat on the ground, the ground that dust represented man, but when he spat on it, right, the water, his saliva, which represents his spirit, and John, and John 6, I think he talks about the living water, the spirit man, the living water. So when he, you know, took his spirit, the spit, the water, represented that, and combined it, and combined it with the dust, the ground, that represented man, I think that shows us the power of, right, of, command, of combining the natural and the super that Jesus did and created the supernatural in that mud. Supernatural. <laughs> but I just believe that that's the moment because a lot of times the supernatural does not look special. A lot of times the supernatural from our eyes doesn't look like this miracle that we're waiting on. A lot of times the supernatural looks muddy. Another, another little last story. Um, some of y'all know it, most, you know, some of y'all don't. Um, but about five years ago, because um, in the past, both my lungs have collapsed, and both of them were life-threatening, and I was on the second, this is the second time um, my lung had, had collapsed, about five years ago, and um, I had been in the hospital for about two weeks, and I was praying, everybody was praying, you know, I still loved Jesus back then, you know, so we were praying, everybody was praying, and, you know, I felt really good, doctors told me, everybody was praying, said, hey, Caleb, um, if you do well, Throughout the night, right, I've already been there for two weeks. He said, if you do, out, do well throughout the night, we'll take, you know, a CAT scan, um, an X-ray. If it looks good, you can go home tomorrow. I said, oh, that's awesome. And then a little little voice in my head said, oh, well, well what if it doesn't? What if through the, through the night your lung collapses again and you have to stay in the hospital? And I was like, Psh, God would never do that. You know, I was like, because we've been praying, you know, I know God, if God loved me, he wouldn't even do that. So I was like, that's not even an option. Well, it did happen. Throughout the night, that night, my lung collapsed. And it was such a sudden um, event, and no, I didn't realize it was happening, that I had to go into emergency surgery. And when the doctor walked in and told me, hey, say, hey, your lung collapsed throughout the night, you gotta go in surgery in five minutes. In that moment, 
it, it's hard to describe, but in that moment, I had so much faith in God before that moment, but right when he said, hey, your lung collapsed throughout the night, you're going to be here, and I realized I was going to be in the hospital for about another two weeks, like all that faith left, and all I remember was putting that hospital sheet over my head and just screaming, upset at God. I said, and in that moment, I had a thought, and again, who, who knows when you're at your weakest point, that's when the devil comes the most at you, right? When you're at your, the lowest point, that's when the devil sees and said, this is my moment where I can, I can get him. Well, I was in that moment, and I remember thinking, and, and, and I remember I was about 50-50. I said, God, I said, God, I still believe in you, but I don't think you are who you, who you say you are. Because why is this happening to me? I said, everybody prayed for me. My, you know, pastors prayed for me. Everybody, everybody prayed for me and said, hey, Caleb, you're coming out tomorrow. And, you know, said, I was, I was at this moment. I was in this bad moment. I said, God, I, I believe that you're real, but I don't believe you, you are who you say you are because look at where I'm at. And that's why um, I thank God for my mom because in that moment I'm having these thoughts and I'm just yelling, I'm upset. And then I get a phone call. And it's my mom. She was working. And she just found out what was happening. And she called me. She says, Caleb, um, and if you don't know my mom, she's awesome. She loves Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was through all the morning. It's been a moment. Um, she called me. She says, Caleb, she said, the enemy's trying to rattle your cage right now. She says, um, you know, the enemy knows where you're at. He knows you're at your weakness. And she said, I want you to repeat after me that, you know, the simple, I love you, Jesus. And I couldn't. I couldn't say it. I was upset. I was on the phone. And I could not say it because I was so upset at God um, because I just believed in him. I, I kept a good attitude through that whole process. I was like, yeah, my lungs collapsed. I'm in the hospital. But I'm still good. But in that moment, I was so upset. And I just could not say, you know, I trust you, Jesus. I couldn't say it. And she kept on saying, she's like, Caleb, say it, say it. And I couldn't get it out. But then about the third time, my mom just kept on saying, you know, say it, Caleb, say it. And I, and I finally got it. I said, I trust you, Jesus. All of a sudden, everything left. And all the faith and the joy came back. And, um, and you know, I went, I went in surgery, and obviously I survived it because I went in sur into surgery, and, you know, the doctor looked at me and said, hey, hey, Caleb, um, because you ate literally five minutes before that, you're not supposed to eat within 24 hours of surgery if you didn't know that. I literally had a big breakfast right before that. And the doctor told me, he said, Caleb, because you did that, there's a 50-50 chance you're not going to survive because, you know, um, since you ate so recently, you might throw up when you go under and then you'll suffocate. And, um, but in that, this is after I already said I trust you, Jesus. In that moment, I was like, 50-50? That's, that's more than enough for God, right? And, um, um, I'd say that to say this is that when that moment happened and I thought it was terrible, I realized that when you survive the mud and you go through the mud and you see a miracle come up from the other side, all of a sudden that mud doesn't scare you anymore, right? All of a sudden situations that look terrible, murky, and muddy, and disgusting, you're saying, hey, no, look, God, hey, look, devil, I've already seen these things before and I've been through it, I've trusted God. So, you know what? These things don't stop me anymore, right? I'm going to leave with this, this final point. Is greater the mud, greater the miracle. I don't know if they had it, but that's okay. It's greater the mud and greater the miracle. Because it doesn't matter the situation, the addiction, the pain, uh, what you think you've done, or what you think you did, or what you did. It doesn't matter of what yesterday or the mud that's around. 
as long as you look around and you have Jesus on the inside of you and you trust who he is and you trust what he's done, God can turn any situation around. If you look around and all you see is a murky, messy, muddy place, get ready because God's ready, about to do a miracle. Do you all agree with me tonight? Did you all enjoy tonight? If y'all want to stand up, um, we're going to pray, and then Pastor Bobby's going to come out and close. Um, but if you're in this place, and you say, Caleb, I look around, and all I see is mud. It's murky, and it's messy, and it doesn't look like what God promised me. It doesn't look like what I thought I would acquire. It doesn't look like perfection or something that would cause me to have more faith in God. If it looks muddy, we're going to pray tonight. And I thank you, God, right now that we're deciding not to stay in the mud, but we're going to use the mud for your glory, Father. Because we know the greater the mud, the greater the miracle. And we trust you. We trust your promises. We trust who you are. We trust your spirit. There's nothing that's going to stop us from performing your will, God. So right now we stand firm in your son. We stand firm in your spirit. We stand firm on your love and your grace, Father. Nothing is going to stop us from loving you, God. No matter the the matter of mud it is or how much stuff is messed up we're just going to focus on you and your love and we're going to push through the mud and we're going to push toward our miracle in the name of jesus father we love you jesus thank you for filling us with faith thank you for filling us with your love and your grace god in the name of jesus amen our mission here at covenant life center is to help our world live give and love like jesus if our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.